Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. Joined as usual by the beautiful Koo Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at Koo Cahill NBA. He is the site expert editor-in-chief of PistonPowered.com. And this is a special and unique podcast. Um, Koo Cahill is, of course, a rather passionate fan of Derrick Rose. Uh, has been for a very long time. And the Pistons signed Derrick Rose to a two-year, $15 million contract a couple of days ago. So, in response to this, this is Koo's podcast where he's going to be allowed to do whatever he wants, say whatever he wants about Derrick Rose. Basically, his full opportunity to be a total fanboy about the situation, and we're going to let him have it. So, Koo, the floor is yours. Take us away in whatever direction that you want to take us. All right, everybody. I just want to say this was Joe's idea. I I, I didn't want to have to make it all about me and me just control everything, but Joe insisted. So, I'm going to start off. I understand everybody may be getting a little bit sick of my trolling going on on Twitter with Derrick Rose. So, I'm, a try, I'm trying to be a little bit more serious with my takes on him. A little bit more serious and with the way I talk about him. Because it's, it's all fun and games. I find fun in it. But recently, I'm starting to feel like that people aren't taking me as serious now. Because I'm laugh, I laugh and troll about it, so I see that whole that whole little stick has to stop because it kind of got on my nerves the other day. But Derrick Rose on the Pistons, two year, fifteen million dollar deal. I'm a very big fan of it. As soon as his jersey drops, I'll be buying it. And just like I told Joe, I told Joe this was gonna happen. I told Sham this was gonna happen. I told Martin this was gonna happen. I told Hal this was going to happen. I told everybody that Derek Rose, th- this was going to happen. Now, obviously, I was trolling. I didn't actually think that this was going to happen. I did not think it was going to actually happen, but it did, and I'm extremely happy about it. I think that he's going to bring instant. I think he's going to be an immediate impact player, obviously. I think he's going to immediately make us better. I think he's, imme- he's easily an upgrade over Ish Smith. I don't think that's close to have to talk about. I think he's easily an upgrade. And, you know, I'm just very, I'm really excited to have, obviously, have Derrick Rose on the Pistons. I, if you told me, like, seven years ago that Derrick Rose would be on the Pistons, I wouldn't believe you, even two years ago. Like, that dude, that dude deadass was, like, ha- has always been my favorite athlete. So the fact that he's on the Pistons now is insane. Like, I was, like, he was the MVP in 2011. I was, like, I was, like, 13 years old. So it, this is, this is pretty crazy for me. I'm happy that he's a Piston. I can't wait to get Jersey. But I want to kind of keep it a little bit more serious on this podcast. So I'd like, I'm going to request that Joe please come back and try to be a little bit more serious about it because I don't feel like having people not take me serious anymore. Okay, if you want to be serious about it, I'm perfectly, once again, this is just, this is your opportunity. We can talk about Derrick Rose all you want, however you want. Like, you get to lead this, right? This is your opportunity to have I, let's be honest. We talk about Derrick Rose a lot on this podcast, as it is, and we, you know, as a result of the fact that he's your dude, and I often am like, okay, let's not get sidetracked and make the podcast hashtag Derrick Rose, right? He's now a piston, so this is your chance. So if you want to be more serious, whatever, whatever direction you want to take this, that's where we're taking it. Yeah, 
Alright. So, lead us into the woods that is Derek Rose. Alright, so I'm going to ask Joe a question. And I'm going to have Joe answer it, then I'll come back with... I'll come back with my answer. I'll go a little bit more in depth if he doesn't go in depth. But uh, so, Joe, with Derrick Rose signing, what what is your expectations for Derrick Rose this season? What what is your way too early expectation of Derrick Rose this year? Um, hmm. Expectations. Uh, you have to hope first and foremost. Um, the biggest issue in slash worry does remain the potential for him to not play very much. Um, He played 51 games last year. He probably could have played in, like, the last, what, 10, 15 games or so uh, if the Timberwolves had been even remotely in the playoff race. But even if he'd done that, he would have played in, like, 60-some. And then the year before, last year, he played in 25. The year before that, 64. The year before that, 66. The year before that, 51. The year before that, obviously, was ACL injuries. So... It's just, you know, I mean, the most games he's played in in the last, what, five years is 66. So that's a big worry. Like, if he ends up having what happened two years ago and he plays in only, like, 25 games, that would be a total disaster, right? I mean, there's no way around that. Um, if he plays that little, it would be a total disaster for the Pistons. Um, because, and it's sort of doubly so that they need him to at least be somewhat healthy and give them like 60 games because of the fact that and we've talked about this quite a bit this um, season and previously in the offseason the Pistons essentially with the way that their cap situation worked out the Pistons essentially had one bullet to fire like they had one chance to really sign a real guy this offseason with the mid-level exception and they didn't give Derrick Rose all of it but he is effectively their one shot to add a real difference maker. Um, so they need him to be that. So that's the first thing. You need to hope they plays at least like 60 games. Um, with Arnie Kander and such, the Pistons medical staff as of now has a pretty good reputation for that sort of thing. So that should give us some hope that he's able to do so. But that is just the first thing. You need to hope that he gives you at least 60 games. Because if it gets much if it gets much below that, it's going to be an issue. Even though I like Tim Frazier, actually, I think he's a solid pickup for third point guard. Um, if he has to play like twenty games, I'm not totally uncomfortable with that. But once again, that was he's their one shot to sign a real difference maker. So they need him to be that. And if you start to play less than like sixty games, it's hard to be a difference maker over the course of a whole season when you play close to when you're playing fifty or forty games, right? So that's the first thing. Um, as far as like expectations for his play on the floor, um, I think he's going to pretty much be the backup. Um, the one downside to him as opposed to some other options for backup point guard is that, no, I wouldn't be shocked if they tried this some, but I can't see him and Reggie Jackson together being that effective of a combo. Um, Defensively, they're both big and strong enough that hypothetically it could work, but Reggie Jackson is just a okay defender. Derrick Rose is just an okay defender. So even though they've hypothetically got the size between the two of them to get by on that end, neither of them are particularly good defenders, so I don't know about that. But just the fact that Rose is not a... I, I'm sure you'll talk about this more, but I do not, I do not trust Derrick Rose's shot. I know he shot better last season. 
Uh, I don't trust that. And here's the other thing. Even if he does repeat last season some in some way, all right, he shoots like 36, 37% from three. Um, even then, he's not a he, – he does not have a quick trigger on his three ball, right? Um, he's a hesitant or maybe not hesitant. That might not be the word. He's a reluctant three-point shooter. He's always preferring to drive, which isn't necessarily a terrible thing in the grand scheme of things, but he just – he just do- he doesn't space the floor. People don't really want to guard him. Uh, he prefers to sort of catch the ball and dribble a little bit before taking shots, that sort of thing. So, and it it just I just don't think that he would work that well next to Reggie Jackson, which is only an issue just because there's a decent chance that the Pistons could really use um, a few more competent minutes at shooting guard uh, because I mean, if you think about it. There's a very real chance. We all hope that Kyrie Thomas makes an advancement. We all hope Bruce Brown gets better. Uh, we all hope if he does survive the rest of the offseason and is still on the team in this when the season starts, we all hope that you know Langston Galloway can maybe bounce back a bit. But going into the season, the Pistons have exactly one guy who can play shooting guard that we're like, yes, that guy is a good player. We know this guy is a really good player, and that's Luke Kennard. So... It would be. It would have potentially been nice to get somebody who was a little bit more, who would potentially work better to fill some off guard minutes. If like, like if Bruce Brown doesn't shoot any better than he did last season, uh, and it's like you know he's a placeholder, but he's not a good one. Kyrie Thomas doesn't get any better. Langston Galloway either gets traded this off season for a second round pick, or he's just as bad as he was early last season. And it's like we need some more competent shooting guard minutes. They might turn to Derrick Rose and Jackson at the same time still. But I just don't think that would be that effective, at least not on paper. Um, As far as good things, though, and there are some good things, the main thing is something that I've said consistently when the option of Derrick Rose joining the team has come up. And that is that the Pistons have had a... Honestly, I'm just... Not even almost. They've had a fatal lack of of sort of shot creation on this roster. And that's been true for a few years now. Uh, Blake Griffin is obviously phenomenal. Reggie Jackson can do it, particularly out of the pick and roll. Other than that, there's really no one else on the roster who is a consistent shot creator. Ish Smith could create his own shot on isolation a bit, but he's really an inefficient scorer. Um, Luke Kennard showed flashes, but they're mostly flashes as far as creating for himself. Like, the Pistons really have had two legitimate shot creators on the roster. And it is really hard to build an effective offense around that, right? So, yeah, and Derrick Rose is a guy who, for all of his flaws, which there are plenty, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, um, he can still do that. Even at his lowest post-injury, right? Even at his worst times, he can still get the ball He's still explosive going to the lane. He can get to the hoop. He draws a decent number of fouls when he gets there. And that's something that this team desperately needs. So that's a good thing. Um, Another good thing is that there's a degree to which there will be some continuity from Ish, if that makes sense, because like Ish... Now, I think that people are comparing them a little bit too much. They're not really that similar players, but... Like Ish, Derrick Rose is very capable and comfortable in running out in transition. He likes to get the ball and run. So they'll be able to sort of keep that same basic identity they had with Ish, where 
Um, you know, the when the bench gets in, they're going to like to run a lot. He's not going to do anything to upset that. And unlike Ishmith, he can actually, you know, finish through contact at the rim occasionally, which will be a nice change of pace. Um, so, yeah, I guess my expectations. My main two are we need him to play at least 60 games and need him to do basically what he has done even at his lower moments since the injuries, which is be able to create his own shot and get to the rim even in traffic. Uh, because if he can do that, now, there's things he can do beyond that that would make this potentially a knockout deal, a home run deal potentially, but to at least be, meet the sort of bare minimum of what the Pistons really need him to do, those are the two things. Even if he doesn't shoot the ball well from three, even if he doesn't stay healthy for 80 games, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Even if he doesn't reinvent himself on defense or anything like that. Um, as long as he plays like at least 60-some games and he's consistently able to create his own shot at at least like somewhat respectable efficiency and get to the hoop in in traffic, I can live with that. That's my, that's my low bar expectation. All right, well... <clears throat> Let me go ahead and uh, respond to what Joe was talking about. Um, obviously, Joe's right. The main, and I have, just real quick, I have a, a near 2,500-word piece coming tomorrow about Derrick Rose. And a lot, pretty much everything we're going to talk about here, I made sure to mention in there. I mean, it's 2,500 words. I, I'm not sure there wasn't something I didn't, didn't mention. But we're going to talk about a lot here. So, like, one of the things I, one of the major things I talk about in there and Joe brought it up, of course, and everyone's going to be talking about it. He has to stay healthy. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're his biggest stand that thinks he somehow is still the MVP Rose or if you're still, like, the biggest hater. of It doesn't matter. Whatever you think about him, the main thing is he has to stay healthy. So, like, it doesn't matter if – let's say he goes out there and he balls out. So let me give you an example. Let me just – I was going to bring this stat up later on, but – I, it makes more sense to do it now is what I was about to say. So there's dec- there's a decent amount of people in Pistons Twitter, and I don't think Joe would say it's the – Joe would probably not say that they're the smart people of Pistons Twitter, but they are Pistons Twitter no matter, no, nonetheless. So there's a couple people talking about, oh, we can trade Reggie now and Derek can start, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let me talk about that. One, so in 13 games last year when Derek – Derek started 13 games last year for the Timberwolves, okay? He averaged, in these 13 games, he averaged 21 points a game and 6.1 assists a game. And when he was on the court during those games, they were a plus 2.5. Now, once again, that's a small sample size, 13. So those people, those people who are saying that he can start over Reggie Jackson, this is the issue. Joe may not agree with that, agree with what I'm about to say, but I fully believe this. If you if if you came in before a season and said Derrick Rose is going to play 70, 73 plus games for you for the next three seasons, if you told anybody that he was going to play seventy three plus games and that was a guarantee, like there's nothing you can change, he's going to play that. I definitely think Derrick Rose is probably still starting point guard in this league, if, especially off of last year. If if you told everybody before this free agency, like heading into this free agency, Derrick Rose is going to play seventy three plus games each year. There's no injury concerns. He's guaranteed to play that game. He still probably could be a starting point guard in the league. But that's not going to happen. He's The injury concerns, in my opinion, is one of the biggest reasons why he was not start. 
he was not giving a starter contract out of his New York Knicks season, which is actually pretty good, and why he's not even being considered even he was never considered to be a starter for Minnesota over Teague and coming in this free agency because of his injury concerns. And Joe mentioned this as well. If there was one person in this entire universe that you could trust a pl- trust to get someone to be healthy throughout a season or and and stay healthy, not get hurt, it's Arnie Kander. Like if there's one person that you could tell me to trust in the entire universe to get someone healthy, Derrick Rose, anybody, it would be Arnie Kander. So the Pistons have that going for them. And I'm 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 100% sure that the Pistons probably like felt this kind of confidence with Arnie Kander or they wouldn't have went after Derrick Rose. Like they have to have like at least close to the same kind of confidence that Pistons fans do. And Arnie Kander, I mean, like when he came back, it was such a big deal. Everyone was going crazy. So like, I'm sure that they have at least close to the same kind of confidence in Arnie Kander or they wouldn't have signed Derrick Rose. So they have to have some kind of belief that Kander can work the same kind of magic he did last year with Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin on Rose or they wouldn't have signed him. So the main thing, obviously, is he needs to stay healthy. It doesn't matter how good he is in 20 games, 30 games, 40 games. 50 games. If he's only healthy for those 30, 20 games, it it doesn't matter because it's too small of a sample for it to really matter, like Joe said. So, no matter no matter how many good things I'm going to say about him, which I have plenty, no matter how many good things I can say, if there's nothing I can do about it, if he doesn't stay healthy, this will be a failure signing because the Pistons, like Joe said, they had one bullet in the in the chamber and this was their one bullet. Now, I said it. I said it in my article. I believe that. Derrick Rose gives them the highest ceiling out of any other point guard they could have signed. Because if he does stay healthy, like I said, I personally believe that his talent level is still a starting point guard. The main thing is is that he can't stay healthy. So that he gives them the highest ceiling. So if Arnie Kanter can work his magic, it's going to be a home run hit, in my opinion. So, like, I mean, it. it I know I want to sound repetitive, but really, like, if you followed anything with Derrick Rose's career, legit, like, it's not repetitive. It's legit. The main concern with him is healthy, healthy, uh, his health. And it's been that way since the ACL injury. So, I mean, Joe, if there's something else you want to say, but that, yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, I don't want to be repetitive, but that seriously is, like, my main concern. It's everybody's main concern, and it outweighs any good thing you could possibly come up with about it. Yeah, I got a couple of things I can tack on there. Um, I guess just sort of as commentary as on what you said. So, uh, first off, when you say the upside thing, I guess here's probably the best way to put it. Ku, um, could you look this up for me a second? What contract did Corey Joseph just get? Oh, he just signed for like $12 million a year, I believe. Three yeah, years, wasn't it? Uh, 39. Okay. I think when he's healthy, Derrick Rose is at least as good as as Corey Joseph. Now, Corey Joseph is actually coming off a really pretty poor season with the Pacers. But, like, yeah, I think that for the amount of money he got, it's got really good upside. Because, and so I'm just using it as an example, okay? If Derrick Rose plays, if they both play the same number of games... I think I'd rather have Derrick Rose and Corey Joseph. Now, if Corey Joseph balances back strong from a really pretty poor season last year, maybe he's close. Corey Joseph is a really good defender, that sort of thing. They're very different players. They're almost like polar opposites of archetypes. But I think Derrick Rose, particularly given how badly this particular team needs that shot creation, like I talked about earlier, uh, I think I'd rather have, I'd not even think, you know, I'll just say it. I would definitely rather have Derrick Rose and Corey Joseph on this team uh, 
you know, if they're playing the same number of games. And Derrick Rose is going to make, like, so if Corey Joseph signed for, like, $12 million, then Derrick Rose is going to make almost $5 million less. So, yeah, I think that for their price range, it's about as high an upside. Or here's probably the best way to put it. For the price range, it's probably the best talent value they could have gotten. Um, and talent in an area that, once again, they desperately needed. And then the two other things, or really the one other main thing that I wanted to tack on. So you brought up his New York Knicks season, okay? And that's basically what I'm talking about with um, my sort of like at the bare minimum, okay? So when you look at that Knicks season, now he won't, well, hopefully he won't have to play as many minutes as he did for the Knicks that season. So we'll just go by the per 36, okay? So per 36 minutes, and this is in a season that Derrick Rose did not necessarily play that well. Uh, he only shot 21% from three, which is obviously terrible. But that season, Derrick Rose played 64 games. And then per 36 minutes, 20 points, just under five assists, true shooting percentage of 53%. And he shot, let's see, and he shot 55.7% at the hoop per basketball reference that season. Okay? Now, that is not like a super elite season. That's not that great. You certainly hope that he plays better defense than he did for the Knicks. You hope he maybe passes it a little bit better. You definitely hope he shoots the ball better from three than he did that season. But even if he at least reaches those basic benchmarks of, at the very least, somewhat competent efficiency, which is like, I've pretty generally held that um, if you're a heavy shot creator, a true shooting percentage of 53% is sort of... uh, rough bar for whether or not you're, like, allowed to do that, basically. Like, if you can't, if you are a main shot creator, or at least build as that, and you can't at least reach an efficiency of, like, 53% on your true shooting percentage, you really are probably not actually cut out to be a big-time shot creator. Uh, So you've got at least reached that, which he did that season, play 64 games, and basically get to the hoop and score when you get there. So... You know, even though that wasn't a good season for Derrick Rose, that still is enough to make him worth the contract that the Pistons signed him to, and I think make him a worthwhile addition to this team given where their needs are at. So, yeah, those are the two main things that I'd sort of tack onto there. Um, yeah, so, cool. We're two next. Well, well, just to tack on what Joe said, yeah, he shot 21% from three-point land that year, but also I that was the year that... I think everybody remember that he came out and said like at the end of the year or something saying like, I saved my three ball for like the playoffs, some stupid thing like that. So like he wasn't even, and he wasn't even, so like that was stupid. Like I'm just saying that because he didn't shoot that many. That was the point. He only shot like 0.9 a game. So he he was barely shooting them and he was just, he wasn't shooting them very well. And he also said that stupid statement. So that whole year he was just non-existent from beyond the arc, but yeah, I think what Joe's saying is 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 fair, but um, Joe, wait, hold on. Before I get to this, do you have something else you want to go at with Derrick Rose? I mean, nothing else on what's been said so far, at least. So, if you want to move on to something else, go right ahead. Okay, so what do you what what would you say the like the least amount of, the least amount of games he would have to play? Like, the very least amount of games he'd have to play to make this at least an okay signing. I think I'm going to tentatively stick with that 60 number. 
Um, okay. That's sort of... Yeah, I think that's where I'd stick. That was kind of where I was at with um, Blake Griffin, too. Uh, I'm. This isn't really based on anything. Like, I'm sure you could go into the numbers and really delve into it, but I think that if you play less than 60 games in a season, you are officially had a very poor injury season. Um, but if you play over 60 games, like, there's a lot of guys that have sort of minor injuries and will miss, you know, 10 to 15 games. That's something that's very regular in the NBA. Um, you know, I'm Pistons fans have been spoiled with Andre Drummond and the fact that he just basically never gets hurt. Um, but that's a pretty regular thing, particularly for someone who plays as physical a style as Derrick Rose does, or Blake Griffin for that matter. Uh, but once you start to get below 60, um, it's an issue. So, like, I'm, here's an example, okay? And this is the reason why it's a worry. So, last season... Ishmith's injury was a big problem for the Pistons, and he missed so many games. Now, because the Pistons have Tim Frazier, their backup point guard getting hurt this year, hopefully is not as big of an issue as it was last year. Because once again, Tim Frazier's not terrible. He can play a little bit. But Derrick Rose played fewer games last season than Ishmith. And once again, Derrick could have played the last few games of the season, so he would have been above. But just as an example, like he played less games than Ishmith did last season. And you can't really afford to have that. So I'd tentatively put it at, like, 60. You're still muted, Coop. You gotta mute yourself. Oh, you're still muted. I think your mic may have come unplugged. <laughs> Here, I'll just keep talking. Oh, there we go. I can't hear you. Oh, speak. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Okay, go ahead. Okay. All right, well, uh, thank you for uh, – uh, I just asked you that question, Kai. Lois needed, uh, needed time to go find what I was going to talk about next. So so thank you for uh, taking a little time with that. Okay. All right, so, so the next thing I wanted to say was, uh, as Joe brought up, and there's been some people – I actually got into it one of uh, – well, not really got into it, but I clapped back at one of our members in Pistons Twitter, Jasper. Um, it wasn't nothing serious, but he – he made a tweet talking about how how bad Derrick Rose shot after um, after I what date is it after January 11th, and let me just talk about that for a second. So Derrick Rose was relatively actually he was just healthy throughout the for all the way until then, all the way until the beginning of January he was completely healthy. He had like I think he missed two or three games due to rest, but outside of that he was extremely healthy. And on before he got hurt, he was shooting forty six percent from three, on three attempts a game. So, I think I think it was like three point four or something like that, but around three attempts a game. So, then he got hurt. He had an ankle injury and an injury to his right elbow. He had bo- uh, like bone chips floating around his elbow that affected his shooting arm. After that, after January eleventh, he came back and started playing through it. That's when he shot twelve percent from the distance. So. A lot of the people who, a lot of them, not all, not all of them, but a lot of them are don't don't bring up that context either one because they're too lazy and don't want to research it, two they don't know it, or three could re- just not care about it because they just don't like Derek. But that that's some context I want to throw with it. But after I brought that up, our friend and I think Joe calls him Godfather of Twitter, Duncan clapped back at me the and let me know the relatively small term. sample size, even with all that it was. Uh, Derek only shot. What was it? Let me find this real quick. He only shot. Well, before I find it, he shot less. 
his attempted threes were less than Reggie Jackson's made threes. So, look, right here. So, Reggie Jackson made 174 threes. That's more than Derek even attempted last year. So, yes, it's, it, that is an extremely it's small sample size, and it's reason to be hesitant to believe that last year was not a fluke, specifically the begin, the first half of the season. So, just wanna, I just wanted to give some context to that. So, just to let you know, like people out there who didn't know, he was playing through an injury when he started shooting, when like it directly correlated with his elbow injury. But even with that, I'm, I'll agree and I'll understand that it's still a small sample size, even if you consider the entire season. And like I said to Duncan, even even if he played, he could have played like 70 games, shot like 200 threes, and made like 90 of them. He could he could have done something like that. And even still, people will be saying that they're hesitant to believe it because it's one season in a guy's career that was never a shooter. So even if it was a large sample size, no one would be people would say it's their crows. People just even that also. So, and this is part of the reason why I still, uh, why I believe that he can get. I don't believe he can get to the forty-six percent. Obviously, I think that's a little. He was obviously feeling himself and was extremely hot throughout the first half of the season. I don't think he can get to that, but I do believe it's probably, I think he's definitely a vastly improved shooter because he was even shooting way better from mid-range. Like, it wasn't just Joe. I believe Joe actually was the one who sent this in the group, like, in December or January. But at one point in the season, Derrick Rose was just, like, all out, just the best shooter in basketball for a minute. Like, there was a graphic, a tweet put out by it. Like, he was shooting just incredibly from everywhere, not just three-point line. He was shooting great from mid-range, too, and that continued to happen. So I do believe that he's just an improved shooter, because of that, I do think that he could. He's probably somewhere in between his previous career high from three before last season, which was 33%. I think he's somewhere between, he'll shoot somewhere between 33 and 39%. I think that would probably, his, I think his peak probably is 90, 39. If you would have finished last year, I see it. And if I saw it like just continuing the way it was, I think he probably would have ended up around 39%. But I think that's where he'll probably finish. And that's just me believing that because of, I know how he talked about Rose talked about it at the beginning of the year last year about how much work he put into his jump shot and how much emphasis he put on quote unquote his one two and then even if you watch like the first half of the season I believe I talked to Hal about it and Hal is like a big like he a big jump shot guy big looking into like the the forms the mechanics the release point the all that stuff even if you go through that I talked with them at the beginning of the year about it that looked a little bit different too from. Bros. It wasn't like he just his bad his bad mechanics just all of a sudden started going. He was feeling so like he changed some of his mechanics. He was getting higher on his jump shot. The arc was higher. Like stuff was looking different. It wasn't like he it just changed. So that's why I believe in. And of course I'm I'm a Rose fan. So I will I tend to want air on the side of positivity. But I think that I think that he could reasonably shoot probably around thirty five percent for us next year and. Another big point I brought up in the article that even if he does shoot, let's say he shoots like 33%, that's still better than what Ish Smith shot for the Pistons throughout his career, which was 31%. So it's it's a, this is the thing, and just real quick, now I'm rambling on because now I'm starting to get a little. There's a real quick. There's some people on Pistons Twitter when we first signed him, trying actually like legit making an argument that Ish Smith was better than Derrick Rose. One, I think that's laughable. I think that I don't think there's an argument. If Joe has an argument, if Joe can pull one of his little, I see the logic with it, I'd love to hear it. But I don't think there's logic with it. I think that's insane, especially after the year Derek had last year. But, like, 
there are people thinking that Ish was Ish is better than Rose, and Ish shot thirty one percent as his career as a Piston. So like that's a low bar for Rose to pass. So even if you want like hold him to that, he doesn't have to really shoot that well to be better than what we previously had, which is my point, my end point. I talked a lot, but that was my <laughs> that was pretty much my end point. I was trying to get to. Go ahead, Joe. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna do a. Well, I see the logic with the Ishmith thing. I think Derrick Rose is definitely better than Ishmith. Um, the one thing with Ish that is a little bit tricky is that his individual numbers consistently do not look that good, but he has enough, there is enough data on him at this point that shows that when he's on the floor, your team is just better that you can't deny. I mean, he had like the best plus minus on the team, I think every year that he played for the Pistons, right? So, it, and that makes him a little bit of a difficult guy to evaluate, uh, just because clearly just the way that he pushes the ball in transition and such just makes your team better, right? So he, I just wanted to put that out there that it's not totally crazy to suggest that Ishmith might be a more valuable player just because he very clearly has, you know, whatever you want to say it is, we're not here to dissect a guy who doesn't play for the Pistons anymore. But just, just for those people. Um... Here's the thing about the three-point shooting and the shooting in general, okay? So, like Koo mentioned, uh, there is just the sample size thing of in that, you know, I'll believe that Ishmith, not Ishmith, that Derrick Rose is really that improved as a shooter when I see it, right? And the guy's what? What's his career mark? Like, his career mark is 30.4% from three, right? So it's sort of a, look... And here's one thing that is worth mentioning. He would not be the first guy to radically improve his shooting later in his career. There's been other people who've done that. Um, I would say, let's see here, just a sec. Um, a guy who, now he wasn't as late in his career, and it wasn't quite as drastic as, like, if Derrick Rose became a good shooter. But um, until, for the first several years of his career... Kyle Lowry was a really terrible shooter, and then he sort of just worked himself into becoming one of the best off-dribble shooters in the league, right? Now, he was not as old as Derrick Rose is now uh, when he did that, but it's just as an example um, that, you know, it happens. He would be the outlier at that case, at that point, and you don't want to rely on an outlier happening, but it is possible. Here's the thing that scares me about that, though, okay? So, Koo, who is the best shooter alive? Steph Curry. Okay, Steph Curry. So you brought up the mid-range shooting and such, right? Yeah. So, last season, we're just going off of the basketball reference um, shooting numbers, which is not always the most accurate, but it gets the point across. It's easy to read. So, from 10 feet to 16 feet, Derrick Rose shot 49.6%. What do you think Steph Curry shot from that range? 60. 41%. <laughs> On his career, he shot 45% from that range. From 16 feet to three-point range, Derrick Rose shot 43.5% last year. What do you think Steph Curry shot from that range? I'm going to assume it continues to be lower, so I'll say 40. 43.9, so slightly better. So okay. here's the thing, okay? Once again... Now, 
And people do forget this. Derrick Rose is actually, even before injury and such, he was never a three-point shooter, but he was a good mid-range scorer. He's always been a pretty effective mid-range scorer. And it's been an important part of his game. And that's secretly been one of the things that makes him such an effective um, driver to the hoop is that he is good at hitting shots in mid-range, right? But if you want to say that Derrick Rose is now a better mid-range shooter than the greatest shooter alive, maybe. Maybe that's the case. I just... I think that there's a very good chance that both of those numbers are going to come down. Um, I'm less worried about the mid-range, because once again, he's always been a pretty solid mid-range scorer. So I think he'll shoot pretty well from the mid-range no matter what. But just... And here's the other thing, okay? About the injury, okay, that you brought up. And you you bring that up pretty regularly when you've talked about this with us. The injuries are, once again, a huge part of the reason why people are worried about Derrick Rose. So, you it's, it's harder to have me be like, oh, well, he just got hurt, so it'll be fine this season when him getting hurt and playing hurt is, always, is literally the reason that he was able to make just $7.5 this coming season for the Pistons. Right? That is the reason why. So, even though, even if that is exactly it, if Derrick Rose stays healthy, he's going to be like a 38, 39% three-point shooter. He is a new man. He's truly pulled that off. And as long as he doesn't get hurt in some way, he'll be able to shoot like that. That doesn't actually make me feel that much better because I'm fairly confident he's going to get hurt and play hurt for a lot of the season. So those are the main things that I'd say about that, is that the numbers do pretty strongly suggest that at least a slight regression is coming naturally anyways. And then even if you want to argue that he really is a renewed man, he really is, as long as he doesn't hurt himself going to be a solid shooter he's probably going to get hurt which then he's going to be a bad shooter again and actually there's one last thing on that and this is an important note I think is that now when compared to Ishmith this is an improvement as you said Ishmith was a total non-shooter no one ever guarded him no one guarded Ishmith when he was anywhere on the court there was literally no place where anybody ever was like oh man can't let Ish shoot he could be standing at the hoop, and they'll be like, yeah, go ahead, flip it up, you midget. Like, that'd be <laughs> it, right? That's all it was. People will guard Derrick Rose at least occasionally, which will be a very nice change of pace. Also, Derrick Rose is a good, pretty good lob thrower, for what it's worth, which should bode well for his minutes with Andre Drummond. But, even if he does shoot, like, 37% from three again, which would be awesome, it would be... Um, you know, following up on last season, once again, by far better than he's ever shot in his career other than last season. He's still a pretty reluctant three-point shooter. People are still going to sag off him quite a bit. Um, he's he's just, he's never, unless he radically changes just the a lot of base habits about his game, um, he's never going to be a guy who's going to be spacing the floor significantly. So that's why, in the end, whether he shoots 37% or 34% or whatever, it makes a difference, but it's not. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference for Derek because I don't think he's going to shoot that many threes. And even if he does shoot like 37%, I don't think that's going to make people start guarding him that much closer. So no matter what, it will probably be an improvement over Ishmith. There's no denying that. But I just... 
Honestly, so in the end, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not actually that worried about the variation in his three-point shot. It would be great if he hit more, but even if he shoots better, I don't think people are going to guard him. They're mostly going to be open. It's just going to be a case of is he going to hit enough of these open shots to make people pay for leaving him open. So, yeah, I guess that's probably the best way to put it, I suppose. All right, that's fair. I, I'll just counter with that. Like, you, I'll just counter with what you said at the end. That if they do do that, I think he'll hit. An, I believe, pers- me personally, he will make enough people pay for doing it. That if that's if that's what's going to happen, and people do just continue to do what you said, like you said, it just it's a matter of fa- matter of will he make enough people pay for it? And I think he will. Well, so. okay. Here's another thing. I guess what I sort of mean beyond that even is that. And Coop, now, you can back this up, right? Because this is actually somewhat going off of things you've told me. Now, I've watched a lot of Derrick Rose over the past few days, obviously. But he has actually done a decent job at improving some of his bad habits. Um, because obviously, you know, understandably, he's a lot of his habits are those of a superstar player, right? Because he was for a long time. So a lot of things that we complain about Blake, right? He never moves off the ball. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Derrick Rose has had a lot of those habits, too. He's actually done a decent job at fighting some of them. He's actually, over the past, last year, and this is something you've talked about quite a bit with us, is that um, he's become more active off the ball. He's become a pretty decent cutter. Um, he's not, like, super active. He's not, you know, he's not Reggie Bullock or, you know, Avery Bradley active off the ball, but he cuts fairly diligently. He moves around a decent amount, etc., etc., but... He's just, he's not a guy who's going to catch and then quickly shoot right away that often, right? You'd say that's fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. And even when he does, it's not like he's got a super quick release, even when he does go straight into it. It takes a moment to load up. He kind of has that, he's, it's not that bad, but he's got a little bit of a hitch in his shot, etc. And so a a slower release combined with the fact that when he catches the ball, he typically likes to, at the very least, take a small beat to decide whether or not he wants to drive or there's someone else to pass or whatever. Because, once again, he spent almost all of his basketball life as the superstar, so these things get ingrained in him, right? Which is understandable. This isn't like a, oh, what the heck, Derek? Like, those are hard habits to unlearn. And I actually give him a lot of credit for the fact that he's done a decent job at fighting some of these habits. But those combine with the fact that people are going to be able to, even if he shoots like 37% from three again, people are going to be able to sag off of him comfortably because they know that even if they pass it to him and he's open and he does decide to shoot the three, they're going to have that extra beat to close out on him. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying. Well, uh, Joe said that, well, I I somewhat, I, I mostly agree with what you just said, but, um, Joe, I'm, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna talk about this, but Joe brought it up. Well, and this is, isn't me trying to brag. I think Joe, I mean Joe brought it up, so I'm gonna just bring it up. I think I probably have watched the most air throws of everybody in Pistons Twitter. I think that's obvious. That's not a brag. That's like just me being honest. And Joe said that he's starting to watch them. So this is just he started to watch a lot, a bit of them recently because we signed them. So I, I, I this is a gen, like this is serious. This is like a genuine. I'm genuinely curious about this. So. After like a after you watch a, a bit more of them and like you watch enough of them that you think, in your opinion, I just want you to come back to me because I personally believe from watching him last year when he shared the court with Jeff Teague, 
he usually was off ball at, towards the beginning of the season with Tom Thibodeau. So this is just from what I believe. You Once again, let me know after you watch and you come back. I definitely want to know what you think about it. Uh, when he played with Jeff Teague on the court, he played off ball. I feel like that he generally, when he was open on the kickout, usually he was in the corners. When he caught in the corners, he was pretty quick to shoot it on the kickout when he was playing with Jeff Teague. Now, like you said, I think that – if you want my personal belief, I can't really prove this was like stats or anything. But like Joe said, he was a superstar growing up, and Joe's been the main one to talk about this. Like with every any player in the NBA, as a, actually we brought it up in our last podcast with Seiku. One of the big things that we liked from Seiku is that he's not like these like the American players were like not, uh, middle school. You're a star. Here's the ball. High school. You're a star. Here's the ball. College. You're a star. Here's the ball. Just carry. Go out there. You're, you're, you look like Jordan out there scoring, blah, blah, because at each level, you're going to be the best. It's not like the it's not like when you get uh, with Seku when you're at 15 playing against grown men. So you're generally just – you're learning how to play uh, – be a role player in an offense. And then, you know, if you get good enough, then you can turn it – and then you can, like, start handling the ball more. This My personal belief just was I feel like Derek has a decent – a pretty good basketball IQ on offense. And when he shared the court with Jeff Teague and Cat, I feel like he just – and especially with Wiggins, because they played a lot last year with Wig, uh, not Wiggins, with uh, Teague and Rose on the court. I feel like he just generally understood that he was going to play off ball more and he took advantage of it when he got the kickoffs and just shot it, as opposed to where Teague was off the court. I feel like he went back into uh, – like Joe was talking about, like when I get the ball, I'm, I'm going to think about it. Do I want to go to the hoop, blah, 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 all that, because it's him out there and he's like the – main usage score out there. That's just my personal belief from watching. I believe he had a quicker release when he played with like another point guard, which is one of the reasons why I believed when we signed him. I was going to mention this in the piece, but I couldn't prove it with stats, so I thought people would just ignore it, so I didn't include it. But that's one of the reasons why I believe that I thought that him and Reggie could work together. So me and Joe disagree there. I think him and Reggie could work together, especially because Reggie learned how to shoot off ball a little bit better now due to Blake being there. I feel like even if Rose need the ball in his hands to be uh, to play with him, Reggie could Reggie could play off ball. And then when Reggie played off the ball, I feel like that from what I watched, and once again I want to hear Joe's like response to this after he feels like he watched enough. I feel like that once when Derek plays with like other guys who are ball dominant, he realizes our bigger point in the offense determined by the coach, not even like him, like just determined by the coach's system, have a bigger role in the offense. I feel like he accepts that off ball. I'm a cut more. I'm a catch when I shoot this ball more. I feel like he accepts that role more when he's in there with like other players. He understands have a bigger role in the offense. But that's just my opinion from watching. So, well, I mean, I can't really prove it with stats or anything. But I mean, look, like you said, you've definitely watched a lot more Derrick Rose than I have. Uh, so I will defer a bit to you there. Um, I don't think that you'd just be outright lying. Uh, and I mean, no, I don't. I mean, look, I don't want you just to defer to it. Like, if okay. you watch it, you disagree with me. Then I then didn't I, see. I want you to say that, but I didn't see or not see that particular look. Obviously, I'm not saying that every time he catches the ball beyond the arc, he stands there and doesn't do anything for a second. Clearly, like there are times where he catches the ball and he just shoots it right away. Obviously, just like any other player does, right? Um, I'm just saying that it's a way that he, he's not going to punish guys the same way that other shooters might, even if he shoots well. But if what you said is true, and he does have a decent grasp of sort of, you know, I guess what would be the best way, 
sort of having a switch, right? Where he can switch back and forth between, okay, I'm not the guy with the ball in my hands. I got to be active off the ball. I got to be ready to shoot, et cetera, et cetera. And then also be able to switch from that to, okay, I'm with the bench. You know, Blake's on the floor. Reggie's on the floor. I got to get the ball in my hands. I got to attack the hoop relentlessly. I got to create, 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 et cetera. If he's able to do that effectively. Um, so when we when I was first talking, I was like, look, there's things that could happen that could make this potentially a great signing, okay? So if you are correct, and that's a thing that Derrick Rose has, and you're also correct about his shooting, and he's going to be at least a fairly effective shooter this season, that's when you start to get into the territory of this might end up being a great signing, right? If Rose is able to effectively coexist with Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin, that's when you start to get into this might be a great signing. Because now, not only are you filling up the just basic, well, you need a backup point guard, and he's a solid backup point guard, now you start to be able to potentially answer who on earth is your fourth and fifth guy in your good lineups. Because that is a question the Pistons could not answer last season. Um, Towards the end... We're pretty convinced that Luke Kennard can be the fourth guy in those line in their better lineups, right? We're pretty convinced of that. Tony Snell is maybe that fifth guy, maybe, and even with Luke Kennard, that's still not for sure. He's shown those flashes, but he hasn't always meshed well with Blake. He hasn't always meshed well with Reggie Jackson. We're still not totally sure if he's going to start this season. We're not sure if he's going to have that figured out and have that better chemistry with those guys. So. If Rose is able to play well enough alongside Jackson and Griffin, and I'm, I'm not worried about him playing alongside Andre Drummond. Pretty much anybody can play alongside Andre Drummond. So, yeah, I'm not worried about that. But if he can play effectively alongside those guys, that's when you start to go from this is a decent signing, he'll fill the role he needs them to fill, and it's all fine, to this might be a knock-it-out-of-the-park signing. Because, once again, this was their one bullet. If this bullet ends up being the... Sh- ends up filling, this is the fourth guy in those lineups. This is the fourth guy who's on the floor to close games, right? Etc. Etc. If that's what this ends up being, now you've got a great signing. So, I guess the best way to put it, and here's another thing that is important to remember for Pistons fans, is even if you're somebody who actively dislikes Derrick Rose, okay? You don't like him that much as a player, you don't like his style, uh, you think he's stupid, Etc. Etc. Whatever it is, you think his beard looks stupid. You know he's an ugly guy. Whatever you may dislike him for, you know he looks like Koo. Whatever. Come on. Okay. His stands are some of the most annoying group of people on the entire planet. Even with all that, he's on your team now. So I guess at the end of all of what I said there, the last thing to say is, Koo, I really hope you're right, because if you are right about that. This could end up being really good. And the Pistons, I guess here's the thing, okay? So, if things break fairly well, I would expect the Pistons to be at least slightly better from last season, right? They actually have a competent starting wing in Tony Snell. He's not that good, but at least competent. Hopefully Luke Kennard gets better. Um, You can only hope that the chemistry between Blake, Andre, and Reggie improves from last season. Um, you know, you hope some of the young guys take steps forwards, etc., etc. If they want to move into, like, at the very least, sort of dark horse contention, like win 50 games, 
they need something somewhere to pop in a way that you don't necessarily expect on um, first inspection, right? So some options for this would be, so like, one option for this would be, right, like, two of the better options, I suppose, more likely option would be, like, and this is some, these are both things that some people have suggested might happen. It's like, if Reggie Jackson, so he started to look all the way healthy at the end of last season, he's now had a full off season all the way healthy, and he comes back this season, and he is all the way back, right? He is like, he is the Reggie Jackson they traded for. That could be the sort of thing that pushes the Pistons into, oh, this is a real team now. If Luke Kennard makes that step this season, and he's scoring like 18 points per game efficiently, that could push them to that, etc. Right? And there's other things that could happen too. Maybe Bruce Brown learns to shoot. Maybe this happens. Maybe that happens. Whatever. There's a lot of things. Derrick Rose, shooting the ball well enough, moving without the ball well enough, defending well enough, etc., etc. Doing those things to where he can become that fourth guy and be effective as that fourth guy. That's one of those things that could potentially push them into that realm. And so I guess that sort of ties into um, what we've both said about him being their highest upside for the money. So like, just to use the Corey Joseph example again, okay? Even if Corey Joseph has a nice bounce back year, I don't think there's any universe in which Corey Joseph is that guy to push them there. Corey Joseph is a nice player. He may end up having a better season than Derrick Rose if Derrick Rose has injuries or whatever, right? But he doesn't have that upside to potentially push the Pistons up to being that 50-win team. Derrick Rose does. I'm not saying it's all that likely to happen, but he does have that potential for sure. So I guess the best way to put it is, Coop, I hope you're right about that. Well, I mean, just just to, like, to confirm with everybody on that's listening, this wasn't like something I just... Joe mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah, Joe, he, he's perfectly fine with that, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just brought that out of the hat because, I mean, that's one, of, like I said, that was one of the reasons why when we first signed him, like, well, there's two reasons why when we first signed him, I thought that could happen. I mean, because one, Dwayne Casey just insisted, no matter how much I hated it, insisted on playing Ish Smith and Reggie Jackson together. So, like, I, that was one of the reasons why I thought about them two tra- playing together because I just feel like Dwayne Casey's going to force it either way. So, like, I feel like we could have signed anybody a point guard, and he's just going to play two point guards. So, it is what it is. And then, two, I mean, it, like I said, just from me watching, I do believe that Derrick Rose has that switch. Just from from watching him last year, I feel like he has a, he's a pretty decent I, basketball IQ guy on offense. Defensively, uh, he struggles. His real struggles on defense are, I mean, like, once again, Joe, you can push back if you think, you like, you've watched enough, you want to push back on I me. Mean, I don't, you can push back. I don't want to just be like, sitting up here saying a bunch of stuff if you disagree with it. But Derrick Rose's like main issues on defense is off ball. He gets he gets distracted and he run or not distracted, he ball watches a lot. And then people backdoor him. That's where his biggest problems are. On on ball, I generally like him on ball. Like Joe said earlier on, he's pretty strong and like bigger guys, I've seen him like handle guys like DeMar DeRozan in the post. Uh even like Paul George. I've seen him handle those kind of guys because he's pretty strong. So on ball and in the post He's pretty good, in my opinion, or not pretty good, because pretty good to probably like put him on like elite status. No, like he's he's okay. He's he's a decent on-ball defender because he's strong. He can stay in front of some people. His real weakness and like serious flaw is off-ball defense, which he'll have to be better at if we want to be better. Because we can't have if he him and Blake do play together, we can't have two guys that are just ball watching, not caring off-ball. So that's something that we'll just have to improve. But yeah, I I do personally believe that he has that switch. I, I believe I saw it last year. 
And I think he's even talked about that. Even in post-game interviews, I believe, you could probably look that up. I remember multiple interviews when he specifically talked about that, how he knows Cat's the like, talking about last year, saying, I know Cat's the guy. When Wiggins is out there, Wiggins, you know, he's the guy. He's one of the most talented guys. Him and Jimmy talked about this before Jimmy left. But Rose talked about after games about how Cat's the guy, Wiggins the guy when he's out there. And my role is, you know, when they sit down, I, I got to get out there and, you know, do my thing. But if Coach – because I believe it was after one of the games he finished down the line with Jeff Teague and they asked him about it. He's like, you know, when I play with Cat and them, I know they're the guy. I'm just supposed to get them the ball. I'm supposed to feed them the ball, blah, blah, blah. So I, I definitely – he's talked about it. I've seen him do it. Maybe if Joe – maybe when Joe watches, maybe he sees it. Maybe Joe thinks I'm, I'm crazy. But I definitely believe he has that switch. I think that – I think that's one of the things that I talk about with Joe, that as he's gotten older, along with his shooting, along with the off-ball cuts, that's one of the things he's just adapted to. I think I think him hitting rock bottom like two years ago, was it? Like two years ago or last year with uh, two seasons ago. It was two seasons ago. Two seasons ago with the Cavs when he got – and then got traded to the Jazz and was uh, released like immediately. I believe – I think hitting that low point was the best for him. Because he completely changed. I, I feel like he completely understood that, look, I'm not the MVP no more. I'm not getting this max contract no more that he just talked about at the end of his last year with the Bulls. I'm not that guy anymore. But if I want to stay in the league still, I want to play this game still. I got to adjust to being like an off-ball player, a role player, blah, blah, all that stuff. I definitely feel like I've seen that uh, change. So. That's re- that gives me reason to believe he can do it for the Pistons, but this is what it is. Well, I definitely concur that he has made decent steps in that direction. Um, because, let's see, you brought that up as soon as the Timberwolves picked him up last, the previous season. You were telling yep. us about that, that you really felt that was a big difference. So that was something that I started watching for then, because... Um, once upon a time, particularly on defense and when he didn't have the ball on offense, I, Derek Rose was at the levels that Blake Griffin was at for the Pistons last season. He was at the John Wall the last couple season levels, right? Where if he didn't have an offense and if he didn't have the ball, he was standing there waiting to get the ball back or starting to leak back on defense. On defense, he did nothing but ball watch, etc. Now, he wasn't always a terrible defender. Um, before he got hurt, he was actually a pretty decent one because those Bulls teams were good defenders. But that's beside the point at this point, I suppose. But he was all the way into those habits, and he has made real steps on that, all right? He's a decent cutter now. That is not a joke. He moves pretty well without the ball. He moves regularly without the ball. He's a good cutter. And one thing that with him being a good cutter is that he's got good enough hands and he's a good enough finisher inside that he's a dangerous cutter. So, like, Bruce Brown is a good cutter, but he misses so many shots at the hoop and can't finish through contact that a lot of his cuts end up being for naught because he can't finish them. Derrick Rose can finish those looks pretty well. But, I mean, I don't know. I have not... I will look closer for that with uh, when he played next to Jeff Teague and such, him be more deferential. Uh... And as you said, I'm sure that there's a good chance Dwayne Casey is going to try it, playing them both at the same time. Yep. Definitely. I mean, he's certainly not, on paper, he's not a worse fit than Ish Smith was with Reggie Jackson. I guess that's how I'll put it. And he tried to do that. It didn't work very well, but he tried. (laughs) No, he didn't just try. He forced it. Yeah, he tried a bunch to do that. And they're not as bad of a... 
of a combo on paper as Jackson and Ishmith were. So I'm sure they'll try it. I'm just not sure that it will be that effective. Um, I am worried about the defensive side of things there, really more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. Because, so even though, like you said, look, Derek's not a bad on-ball defender. He's mostly, you know, he's a good athlete. He's strong. He mostly competes. But when you're a not bad on-ball defender and a bad off-ball defender, that equals out to being a minus defender. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Reggie Jackson mostly tries hard. He's actually, he's improved a lot on that end over the past couple of years. He's really dedicated himself to being a better defensive player. But even then, Reggie Jackson tops out as being a sort of okay defender. And, I mean, I just, I'm not sure that I think that they're, I guess here's, I guess the best way to put it, okay? They may be able to make that work at a base level offensively, but I'm not sure that it's going to be valuable enough offensively to offset the defensive issues, because I think that will definitely be a bad defensive combination. I agree. So I think in order for it to really be worth it, it can't just be like, yeah, you can play them next to each other on offense. I think it has to be they're really good next to each other on offense, which it might be because, as I said before, the Pistons have had a fatal lack of shot creation on this roster. And it may well be just saying, screw it, we're going to put all of our best shot creators on the floor so that we've got three guys who can all create their own shot and threaten the rim at the same time. And that may well just be enough of a difference maker for the offense that it just makes it hum, right? That may well be just, I'd lean towards it, probably not. That I guess that's probably the best way to put it. But we're going to see it, I'm sure, like you said. They're going to try it, so we're going to get an opportunity to see it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I, I can almost guarantee we're going to at least get a shot at it because of Dwayne Casey. But there's something else I wanted to say that you just brought up. Um, actually, I was going to bring up earlier, but I forgot because there's so many things I'm trying, trying to uh, keep up with. But um, the shot-creating thing, I mentioned this in my article. Now, Joe said this, but let me just emphasize more with it. I've watched the Pistons through all of their downtimes the past 10 years, the Pistons have absolutely had close, like, you know how Joe last year, all last year with the podcast talking about the Pistons might have, like, the worst wing rotation of any team actually trying to win. No, the Pistons legit, I don't care, like, let, I'll see if Joe disagrees with this, but Joe, the Pistons have, for real, severely lacked shot creation for, like, I believe, like, the last 10 years. Like, they just have, they just have nobody who can, go get their own shot. No one who can, like, like, it's really hard, especially back when it was Reddy Jackson and Andre. Like, some people, actually, no, I won't say that because, though, I, I believe Reddy Jackson's injuries, at least one of them was a freak accident, but, but, uh, Reggie had, like, a lot on his, like, Reggie had to create literally almost everything in Stan Van Getty's offense because it was literally only him. I mean, we saw what Tobias. I mean, Tobias was an okay secondary creator, I suppose. But we saw what it looked like with like when Reggie wasn't around. It was absolutely awful. And Marcus Moore shot way too many middies and contested middies. But just in general, the Pistons have lacked shot creation for years. And even last year with Blake, before I mean, me and me and Joe were sitting here for like months. I was I, there was a whole podcast dedicated to me just losing it on Dwayne Casey just begging him to get Reddy Jackson some pick and rolls because it's not like Reddy Jackson's like some fantastic isolation player. And and at the time, I didn't think that he was going to be some great uh, catch-and-shoot player, which he actually turned out to be a pretty decent one. But, I mean, it, it was re- it's really only Blake 
who can shot create. You got Reggie who can do it in the pick and roll. Andre's not going to go get his own shot. If he's doing that, like me and Joe said in an earlier podcasts, if he's out there trying to look like Joel Embiid with the post moves and the and doing his own thing, it's not a good thing. It's it's going to be bad. And and with Luke Kennard, like Joe said, it's flashes. And my big thing with Luke is I just feel like he's, he gets – there's games where he just lets it fly, and then I don't care if he misses because usually he makes it. He's a really good shooter. And then there's other games he's just scared to shoot. He's scared to let it fly. He doesn't he, – he doesn't just have that – in better words, if – if Langston Galloway had Luke Kennard's skill level, it would be demonic because Langston Galloway has a, I just don't give a damn. I'm going to shoot this. I don't care if I'm at half court. I'm just going to shoot whenever I want. If Luke Kennard had that, then we'd be, I think last year would have been way different, but he doesn't have that. And then even, even if Luke Kennard does that, those are the only three. And I don't know if Luke's going to do that. He's still relatively young. It's only his, what, this is going to be his third season, I think, right? Third yes. season, fourth season? third yeah third season so like you got Blake and then you have to hope that Luke develops that the lack of creation has been desperately needed I made the case in my article that even though the Pistons were sixth in three-point attempts and finished what I think I believe 23rd in three-point percentage I still made the case that I believe shot creation was just as big if not bigger of a need because if we saw what happened with Blake down the stretch because Blake was just he carried the load for so long, he broke down. That's my opinion. I believe there's other people who also believe that that has something to do with it. I don't know if Joe shares that same opinion, but definitely, I definitely believe that the workload that Blake was having to carry for the Pistons had a lot to do with his his injury at the end of the year, and that's something that they desperately needed to get Blake some help. And for if if there's anybody who wants to contest that Derek can't do that or he isn't that, I don't care if you like Derek. This is just facts. This is stats. There's nothing you can argue about this. You can hate him all you want. There's nothing you can argue about this. Duncan tweeted out his synergy chart from last year. The dude literally is one of the very best. Like, I'm not, this isn't me standing. This isn't me, like, boosting him. Like, legit, he is literally one of the very best isolation players in the entire NBA. He was in the 90th percentile, excellent Excellent uh, isolation player. He scored uh, 1.07 points per possession. The dude is literally one of the very best isolation players in the entire NBA. And that's something that I think that's something the Pistons desperately needed. Now, he's also, he's really good in the pick and roll too, obviously. But just, just to take that, the shot creation. I mean, Joe talked about with, with Ish Smith earlier on. And actually, Joe asked me this question, I believe, last year in like our group. Who he thought, who I thought, like the best shot career was. Ishmith, Ishmith generally was able to get the shot he wanted. Like this is something I usually say. I, I don't think I've ever said it on the podcast, but I say it all the time when, when I play basketball. And I'm talking with my friends. There's a difference between having to force a shot, force a shot contested, and you still being shooting a shot contested that you wanted to take. Like it's, if a shot's contested. And you want, and that was the shot you were looking for. Like that can still be a good shot if that was the shot you were looking for, and you got to your spot. Ishmith generally did that. Generally was able to get the shot he wanted. He just wasn't good at making those shots. Derrick Rose, for all the people who are trying to compare him to Ishmith, which I just don't see it. Joe said, I don't know exactly what Joe said earlier. I don't want to say his words wrong, but I don't see it at all. I think that's disrespectful. I think the little oh he's going to shoot a bunch of long twos is incredibly overrated. Because Derek drives to the rim way more than Ish. He's going to finish way more than Ish. He's more explosive than Ish. 
it, it's I, I don't see it. But either way, it, just imagine replacing all the little end of shot clock, end of shot clock uh, possessions when you saw Ish just sit there and dribble, then chuck up a chuck up a two with his feet on the line. Imagine replacing that with one of the very best isolation players in Dennis in the entire league. I think that's something the Pistons desperately needed. I argued in my article that I think it was something they needed more than shooting, because and Joe said this about Links to Gallery on previous ones. You ha- you hope that he he just regresses to the mean that he's a good shooter. And I believe he actually started to do that towards the end of the season. He started to regress towards what we kind of expected to- from him, and you hope that it, along with getting Tony Snell that we don't have another Glenn Robinson who's supposed supposed to shoot good and then goes out there and just forgets forgets what basketball is. So I argued that I believe that it was a bigger need than shooting, and I believe we addressed it with one, literally one of the best players at it. So I, I think that is something that, whether you like him or not, you should be extremely excited for because the Pistons has addressed one of their biggest needs, if not the biggest need, with someone who is legit one of the very best at it. Okay, so on the Ishmith thing, I said earlier, like, I don't see that comparison really either. Um they both like to run in transition. They do have that in common. Um, there's a certain degree to which, when you watch them, Derek does almost look like a bigger Smith because they both sort of got that, like, always moving so fast that they look on the border of being out of control all the time sort of a thing. But, like, as far as profiles of players, no, I really don't see it. Other than the fact that they both like to run in transition and neither of them are really shooters as point guards. Uh, it's like, okay, here, you brought it up, right? That people brought up Derrick Rose taking 18-footers all the time. Now, Derrick Rose does take a lot of mid-range shots, and it's actually going to be interesting to see. So his shot profile, okay, so we'll just compare this with Reggie Jackson last season, right? Because Reggie Jackson made a serious change to his shot profile last season. Reggie Jackson took... Once again, we're just going off of basketball reference, which is not always the most reliable for these things, but we're rolling with it anyways. Um, Reggie Jackson took just 9% of his shots from 16 to 3-point range last season. Derrick Rose took 18%, literally twice as many of his shots from that range last season, right? Um, And he took more in the 10 to 16 feet. So it's just, he does take a lot of mid-range shots, but, right... Derrick Rose um, does take only slightly more of the long twos than Ishmith, and he gets to the rim a lot more regularly than Ishmith did. So, and once again, and I, I said this earlier, but the mid-range is, with Derrick Rose, it's pretty important to his game because that's a big part of setting up his driving game is the fact that he's not a guy that you want to just ignore from that distance, right? He's a guy that you actually want to cover at that distance. So, like, just to bring up these numbers, okay, from 10 to 16 feet, Ishmith shot 37%, and from 16 to 3-point line, Ishmith shot 40%, right? In the 10 to 16 feet, Derrick Rose shot 49% this past season, okay? And he's been, he hasn't been that good the rest of his career, but he's been pretty solid from that distance most of his career, Right, so he is a pretty good mid-range score. Um, the trick is to that you don't want him to rely on the mid-range bunch, right? Um, you want him to use the mid-range as a way to set up his drives. 
You don't want him to take a mid-range shot for the sake of taking mid-range shots, right? That's going to be the trick. And I'll be interested to see if his shot selection changes much. Um, because they very clearly did make a real effort to more or less exercise mid-range shots from their offense this past season. Uh, Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson both basically stopped taking them, by and large, right? So I'll be interested to see um, if if his shot selection changes. And I'm and I'll, I, if it does, I'd be really interested to see how that impacts his game because part of me thinks that, you know, well, so like, let's just say he's able to shoot like 36, 37% from three. What you said earlier was true. He really has reinvented himself as a shooter. If that's the truth, then that could actually be huge is a coach who's like, Derek, stop taking mid-rangers. We want you to shoot f- six threes a game, right? Kind of like what they told Reggie Jackson last season, remember, <laughs> you know? Like, that could be potentially revolutionary for his efficiency as a scorer. On the other hand, if he actually hasn't reinvented himself as a three-point shooter, and it's like, no, you want him inside the arc, and the mid-range game is important for setting up his driving game, there's a chance that it could end up really messing with him and making him a much less effective player if you're like, okay, don't do middies anymore. Some ways in the mid-range, people don't worry about it enough, and then they just sit on his drives and makes him a less effective driver. So... That's, that's going to be something that's going to be really interesting to sort of monitor is um, what his shot profile looks like. And if it is changed, does that look like it does change for the better for him? Because with most guys, it's a pretty clear cut. Yes, you shoot more threes than mid-rangers. As few middies as you can, shoot more threes. But for a guy like Derrick Rose, he's one of those dudes that's sort of an outlier where it's like, eh, you may actually be better off just living with him taking the mid-rangers. So... Yeah, he shoots a lot of mid-rangers, but unlike Ishmith, he's actually good at them. So, and also, okay, here's the best way to put it, I guess, okay? Ishmith took mid-rangers for the sake of taking mid-range shots. Because that's the space he could create space for himself. That's why he took those. Derrick Rose mostly takes mid-range shots to set up his driving game. And that, I guess, in the end, is at its core, that is the difference between them, I guess. So, yeah, I don't think that that's a particularly apt comparison. I think more than anything, that's just people who are who have not watched much Derrick Rose. They're watching some highlights, and they're like, oh, there's certain similarities to Smith because they both run in transition and take a lot of mid-range shots. And I think that's about the end of that comparison. They're not really the same profile players at all. Um, Derrick does not pass as much as Smith did. Uh, Derek is much bigger than Ishmith. He's a much more serious threat in the in the lane, which is to say that he is a threat in the lane because Ishmith was Ishmith might have been the least threatening paint scorer I've ever seen out of a point guard or a regular ball handler. Nobody was ever worried about him scoring in at the hoop. Uh, so yeah, I do not think that's a good comparison. All right. Well, what do you have anything to say about the the shot creating part? I that's pretty much been my line with him the whole time. Whenever we've brought up the potential of the Pistons signing him, uh, is that you know that's something just like you said, that's something the Pistons desperately needed, and he fills that. Uh, and also, like you brought up, I'm not actually that worried, especially after the Tony Snell trade. I'm not actually that worried about the amount of shooting on the roster. Um, they could obviously look. Obviously, you could use more shooting. Every team could always use more shooting. 
Um, the only team that got enough shooting was probably, by the end of the season, last season's Bucks. After the trades they made at the deadline, literally other than Giannis, they didn't have a single bad three-point shooter in their rotation, right? That's it. And they did. They were only able to do that for like half a season because there was no way they were going to be able to pay everybody. So that's just, oh, Eric Bledsoe's a minus shooter. So even they could have used more shooting. And that was a big problem for them against the Raptors. So even the Milwaukee Bucks last season could have used another shooter at point guard. So obviously they could use another shooter. But they've got some pretty good shooters on the roster still. I mean, for all the crap we gave Langston Galloway, he still shot, ended up shooting 35.5% from three on really high volume last season. Luke Kennard is a sniper. Reggie Jackson shot 30% from three last year. Blake Griffin shot 36%. Tony Snell has been about 40% consistently. He doesn't shoot a ton. Um, so, I mean, I just, I just don't know that I see it as necessarily being a fatal flaw. So, no, it'll depend a little bit on what the Pistons do with their last few moves here and also how ready some guys are. So, like, if Kyrie Thomas is ready to play right away, like, this is it. He's set to go now then obviously that's another guy who, if he's ready to go, should be a good shooter. If he's not ready to go and Bruce Brown is getting all of those minutes and Bruce hasn't learned to shoot, then obviously, well, maybe they actually could use another shooter badly, etc., etc. There's some dominoes that still need to fall, basically, is what I'm saying. But I'm, I lean towards agreeing with you that um, shot creation was a higher priority than shooting. Um, and yeah, Derrick Rose fills that. So... I think a lot of it, obviously the health thing, but a lot of it is going to come down to how effective he can be off the ball playing with Blake and Reggie. And honestly, more so playing with Blake, I think, is going to be the thing. Because he meshed really well with Carl Anthony Towns last season, but Carl Anthony Towns is a different player from Blake. And one big difference is that, and I, I've, I, I mentioned this to you, Koo, and this is actually one of the things that I'm a little bit worried about in terms of the potential for regression from Derrick Rose, is that I think that Derrick Rose is not going to be the last guard who's going to go to the Timberwolves or whichever team Carl Anthony Towns plays for and has their careers revived. I think that's going to be a similar trend to the trend that Dirk Nowitzki had in his career, where guards would go, you play with Dirk Nowitzki, and suddenly, oh, look at that playing point guard with the best shooting big man ever to live makes your life so much easier. And I think Carl Anthony Towns, and look, <laughs> I love to crap on Carl Anthony Towns, but like that dude is as offensively skilled as any big dude that's almost ever lived, right? Like he is absurd. And just when you have a big man that you're running pick and pops and pick and rolls with that is abs as absurdly skilled as Carl Anthony Towns is, that opens up so much and makes your life so much easier. And Blake Griffin is a good shooter. He's not as good a shooter as Carl Anthony Towns. And he's also not as quick a shooter as Carl Anthony Towns. Like, that's a sort of role of setting screen, popping, rescreen, roll, rescreen, pop. That's the thing that Carl Anthony Towns thrives at. Blake Griffin isn't really about that when he doesn't have the ball anymore. That's actually something we've complained about is that he never rolls to the hoop anymore, right? Um, which, once again, you live with because he's Blake Griffin and he's phenomenal. We love Blake. But that's just kind of a reality. And that's one thing that I'm a little bit worried about in terms of if you're looking for a spot like where the change of scenery might cause him to regress, Like not just in terms of, well, he'll shoot less good just 
law of averages, but the change of scenery, that is one thing that I'm a little bit worried about. Now, it's not a huge worry. Andre Drummond is as good a role man as you find. He should mesh just fine. Blake Griffin is still a really good shooter at the power forward spot, a dynamic player. It should be fine, but it's not Carl Anthony Towns. So that is one spot that I'm a little bit worried about it, but... Yeah, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm not even sure where I started that thought. I my the caboose of my train is gone. I have no idea where I started on that. So <laughs> that's fine. That's fine because I have somewhere else we can go with this. Okay. All right. This is for uh. This is for all the. This is for all the roast stands listening to this. This one's for all the. I think Joe would probably call them trolls, but I have to ask you this question, Joe. This is going to be one of your. I can see the logic things. I want to see if you can if you can see this future. And let me finish the question before you go. Is there is there in any kind of alternate reality, any kind of future, where you see Derrick Rose taking that starting position from Reddy Jackson? Because there's not one in my opinion. I mean, I guess I could if I could squint my eyes, and and Reggie Jackson just just falls off the face of the earth. Then sure. But even the biggest Rose fan in me, I don't think there's I don't think I can even find the alternate reality in which Derek takes that spot from Reggie. So that was this is just for all the people I see on Twitter suggesting that we can trade Reggie now because we got Derek. I just don't see that happening. I don't see even a future in which well, we get this to happen, so maybe this no, I don't see it. I don't even see that. Do you see something like that? I don't think it's terribly likely, but I could see it. Uh, we've talked about it quite a bit. We know that Dwayne Casey does not like having Reggie Jackson as a starting point guard. Dwayne Casey had Jose Calderon close games over Reggie Jackson at points last season, okay? If Dwayne Casey has Jose freaking Calderon close games <laughs> over Reggie Jackson, do you think that there's you really can't see a universe where he decides to start Derrick Rose over Reggie Jackson? I mean, I, nah, I don't I don't think so. Okay. I don't think, I think that would cause a major I think that would cause like Reggie Jackson was good in the locker room last year. We've all fought him for that. I think that would actually cause a pretty bad locker room problem. It might. Um, I think the main reason why it's not going to happen, and this, I actually, I haven't brought this up yet. This is actually a very serious positive of the fact that they signed Derrick Rose, is that we know that Dwayne Casey does not like having Reggie Jackson as a starting point guard, and the main reason for that is that Dwayne Casey has got it in his head that. Your point guard, you, you you just need to pass more, okay? It's a little bit, and it's bothersome to me, it's a little bit like um, uh, when Stan Van Gundy, after that Cavs series, got it in his head, we need more size at, at the four spot. We just we got to have more size. And he became sort of obsessed with that, and that led to the John Lohr contract. Um, same kind of a deal where, for whatever reason, Dwayne Casey just has it in his head that Reggie Jackson doesn't pass enough. Derrick Rose passes even less than Reggie Jackson, so that's not going to happen there. But I just, because of the fact that we know that Dwayne Casey does not like having Reggie Jackson as a starting point guard, if Derrick Rose plays well and Reggie Jackson plays poorly, I could absolutely see them swapping them. And here's the other thing, is that Reggie Jackson's an expiring contract, so why do they care about him potentially making a stink about things in the locker room? If he causes issues in the locker room, they trade him. He's an expiring contract. So, yeah. I don't think it's likely. I think Derrick Rose is not going to outplay Reggie Jackson in any meaningful way. And as I just stated a little bit ago, 
Um, Derrick Rose is not the style of player that Dwayne Casey prefers. It's like, okay, so just as an example, if the Pistons had signed, like, we'll just use fellow former Timberwolf, Tyus Jones, who's more of a pass-first guy, plays defense, kind of a shooter, although he never actually shot that well from three in his career, but regardless, right? That's sort of style. If they had signed him, I legitimately could have seen Dwayne Casey starting Tyus Jones over Reggie Jackson. And it would have been boneheaded. It would have been stupid. Maybe Tyus Jones is too extreme because Tyus Jones is really not on the same level. But that's sort of a thing, though. Okay, If the Pistons had signed Corey Joseph, I bet Corey Joseph would have started by the end of the season. Legitimately. Just because Corey Joseph passes more. And Dwayne Casey thinks that his point guard should pass more. Um, even at the start of last season, they were talking about how um, it was actually like one of the baselines that the broadcasters talked about that you know Reggie Jackson is almost more of a two guard than a point guard which is absurd totally absurd to think that Reggie Jackson is a two guard but Dwayne Casey has that in his head and it's just one of those things that look this isn't even a herder Dwayne Casey stupid thing there's some really good really smart coaches that they sometimes just get something in their head that that's how they think it's supposed to be this is one of those things uh but Derrick Rose is not that sort of passing guy that is going to make Dwayne Casey be like, I need that in the starting lineup. So I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's likely that Derrick Rose is going to outplay Reggie Jackson. I don't think it's likely that Reggie Jackson is going to play that poorly, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just saying there's definitely a universe where that happens because there's no reason for the Pistons to have any sort of loyalty to Reggie Jackson. He's an expiring contract that they are that they, that they have come very close to trading a couple of times. So if they think Reggie Jackson is not playing well and Derrick Rose is, I could 100% see them making that switch. I don't think it would necessarily be a good idea, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is a universe where it happens. So. See, I, I, just, I just don't see it. I could definitely, well, I could definitely see, I could definitely see Dwayne Casey choosing to close with Derrick instead of Reggie if Derrick's rolling. And honestly, he might honestly. This is something we could talk about if you want to talk about. But I could honestly just see Dwayne Casey just wanting to close with Derek instead of Reggie because he had some problem with with closing with Reggie. Apparently, I, I don't. I don't know what it was. He had a problem with Reggie in general. So I could see a future when he just flat out starts closing games with with Derek instead of Reggie. But I just, I don't I don't see unless Derek comes out and he's just and he's just like absolutely just tearing stuff apart and even if he's tearing stuff apart which i think is a possibility i probably think it's a possibility more than everybody else but even if that doesn't happen i feel like that would be like someone you'd want to keep on the bench because the pistons have lacked that from the bench in for like ever so like i feel like that's something that you wouldn't want to mess with so i don't i don't see any kind of future where that happens it would have to be the hate for reggie jackson by Dwayne casey that joe talks about would have to be very very real like very 100 percent real to the point of Dwayne Casey wants him out, and he just says, screw it, I'm going with Rose. But I don't cool. see it happening. Cool. Ishmith closed a playoff game. <laughs> two of them, actually. Didn't he? Didn't Ishmith finish two playoff games? Two of the four? And Reggie Jackson had a good know. series. Oh, yeah. He, he absolutely balled out that series. Yeah, he had a good series. Ishmith closed a playoff game. Okay. So don't be like, well, you know, his his hatred of Reggie Jackson would have to be on another le-. It is on that level. Dwayne Casey desperately wishes he had anyone else he could play at starting point guard. Desperately. Desperately. The problem is, he doesn't. That's it. 
If they signed Corey Joseph, Corey Joseph would be their starter. He might not do it right away, but Corey Joseph would have started by the end of the season. I have no doubt about that in my mind. None at all. If 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 Dwayne Casey had his way, if Dwayne Casey had his way, here, no, Koo, I can't hear you. you Got to plug your mic back in. There, now you're good. If Dwayne Casey had his way, the Pistons would have made that trade for Mike Conley. They would have traded Luke Kennard and the first-round pick, etc. If Dwayne Casey was in charge, they would have traded even more than that for Mike Conley. If Dwayne Casey was in charge, they would have desperately shed salary to try and sign Ricky Rubio. Right? Dwayne Casey would have tried to sign Terry Rozier. Okay? That's how much this dude dislikes Reggie Jackson. Okay, so if, if you believe the hatred is on that level, like if we're okay, so if we're walking into the reality that Joe has set before us, that the hatred of Reddy Jackson is on that type of level, then it if it if it's really on that type of level, Joe, then you you'd make it seem like the case would be that in Dwayne Casey's head, he's having as an open competition for the starting point guard in his head, coming in the trainer cap. If it, if it's really that kind of hatred. I don't. I don't know if it's really like that, Joe. If it's if it's that bad of hatred with the with only Reddy reason. Jack. The only reason it isn't is because Derrick Rose is even further away from the archetype that Dwayne Casey wants at point guard, which is once again, ironically, actually a really good, a, a nice bonus for the fact that they signed him, and also a good reminder of why it's a bad idea to have your coach also be making your basketball decisions. So, like, if Dwayne Casey had all the power like Stan Van Gundy did, they wouldn't have signed Derrick Rose. They probably would have signed Corey Joseph because that's the guy Dwayne Casey's coached before. Right? They would have shelled out money to get Corey Joseph, and Corey Joseph would be the starter because that's the kind of player he wants to have starting. Okay? Instead, Ed Stefanski is like, no, we're not going to sign some pass-first guy because you've got your head up your ass. We're going to sign Derrick Rose because he's the best player we can sign. So they signed Derrick Rose. And Dwayne Casey's like, now I have two point guards that I don't want to have to play. Dwayne Casey probably thinks Derrick Rose is a shooting guard, too. Well. <laughs> Dwayne Casey probably... Dwayne Casey will probably try and play Tim Frazier over both of them. Tim Frazier might be starting games by the end of the season. I well. <laughs> he might just play Tim Frazier 48 games a night in the playoffs. <laughs> Okay, so Koo, the man had Ish Smith finish a playoff game. Okay, I, this, nothing this is, is off the table. This, this is all. Jose Calderon closed games over Reggie Jackson last season. Koo, nothing is off the table. All right, well, all I'm going to say about what Joe's everything about right is now an is, option. It, <laughs> If the hatred is really like this... Jordan Bone Joe, might start by the end of the season. Okay, Joe, come on. They if might the sign like this, you. If, if the hatred is for real like this, then Reddy Jackson like needs to be traded then. Why like, do you legit- think that you keep hearing that they're trying to trade Reggie Jackson, Coop? No, I'm not talking about trying. I'm saying that like he legit needs to be gone before the regular season. Once again... If, it, if it's like that, Casey's just going to screw us over then. Because at that point... With Reddy Jackson. Once again, this is the benefit of having your coach not be able to make the personnel decisions. If Casey was making the personnel decisions, they would have dumped Reggie Jackson by any means necessary. He's not making the personnel decisions, though. 
Ed Stefanski is. And Ed Stefanski says, we're giving you this roster. You can play him how you want, but this is your dude. And even Dwayne Casey is not so stupid as to screw that up. All right. Well, I guess we'll see on that. Joe, oh, real quick. Joe brought this up. Uh, There's another thing I mentioned in my article about Derrick Rose. Um, the injury concerns being so so serious as they are. One of the things that some people may contest about the little point guard issues over the past few years with the injuries maybe, I've seen this thrown out there, and I somewhat agree with it. But if the Pistons is the problem, basically what I'm asking is, was the problem really the fact that our backup point guard got hurt and Reggie got hurt, or was it the fact that the third point guard was the age of my grandfather and couldn't do anything on the basketball court? Was that like was that the issue really? Because it wasn't like like if this is the reason why I'm bringing it up because Tim Fraser, like Joe has brought up, is an adequate adequate backup uh, third third uh, third string point guard. So if Derrick Rose were to go down, I don't know, like let's say like six games, seven games, something like that. Or, or, like, nothing serious, like, not to where he's, like, the permanent backup. But, like, if he has to fill in like like we did for Ish and Jose, if something like that happens, that is a much better I, – I feel much better about the situation than I did with 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 the skeleton of Jose Calderon and the smoke, the, 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 the dust that was in the jersey of Steve Blake when he was here. Like, that, that – and the and – the, and the potato looking like Jersey when Jameer Nelson was here. That that I feel much better. I feel much better about about the, about the situation with Tim Frazier. So that's that's a good thing that the Pistons attacked because honestly, some people have made the case that the problem wasn't. I mean, obviously, you don't want Reggie Jackson getting hurt, but the big issue wasn't the fact that Reggie got hurt. It was the fact that the backup, the the third string point guard, was so inept that it looked like it looked ugh. I, I actually I compared it to my high school's offense in my paper, in my article. That's that's what it looked like when our third point guard took over. It looked like something like that. I won't argue with it. <laughs> All right, well that was the point I made. So if Joe agrees with it, there's that. Okay, where, where to next, crew? I think I've hit just about everything I need to say. Right. I've tried to keep it serious. Try to keep. Try to keep it on level. I don't. I didn't get too fanny on here. I didn't get too, too, uh, too insane about Derrick Rose signing with us. Yeah. I try to keep it civil because, like I said, some people on Twitter were getting on my nerves trying not take me serious because I'm a Derrick Rose fan. I'm not gonna have that happen. So yeah. I'm try gonna to be a little I'm, bit more serious. I'm gonna say one thing. I'm gonna say this for you, okay? Because I know you don't want to say this. Our justice system is not perfect. And our justice system does not declare people innocent. Derrick Rose was as close to being declared innocent of that rape charge as you can possibly get. So if you want to just say our justice system is totally screwed over, I guess you could say that if you want to just have no belief in it. But if you have any faith in our justice system, and if you have any faith in the way any of that is set up. That dude and just the way everything in that case broke down, he was as close to declared innocent as you can pretty much possibly be. There are some things we learned about Derrick Rose that suggest Derrick Rose is both an idiot and a crappy person. I'm not going to argue that potentially, but Derrick Rose almost certainly did not rape that woman. 
So if that's something you're hung up on, look into it further. Everything, the case that that woman must have tried to make overall, not must have, did make, was so weak that despite the fact that he said some incredibly stupid things like the we men, you can assume, etc., etc., she had such a weak case that he still was cleared of all charges. So, I just wanted to put that at the end, because, Koo, I know that you do not want to talk about that sort of thing. And I've trolled you about it before in the past. So, I'll, now that he's on the Pistons, and you decide you want to take this serious direction, we can say this, okay? If you are hung up on that, if you just want to be one of these people that you're just not going to believe the power... And look, our justice system is often tilted. Not often. It is heavily tilted towards people who are rich and powerful. And Derrick Rose is 100% that. So if you just are out of principle going to support the little person, quote-unquote, that's fair. I'm not even going to say you're wrong for doing that, okay? Lord knows more people believing women who accuse powerful men is not a terrible thing. But as close as you can come to being proven innocent is what happened in that case. So I'm truthfully... For all the trolling I've done of Koo about this in the past, I'm not concerned about that at all. Even a little bit. That is not right, well, at all an issue for me. Well, since 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 Joe brought it up, like Joe said, I don't like talking about it. Uh, but after talking with Joe and some of the other people I know that are in our little group that we conversate with, I came to the conclusion that obviously I guess this is just something I can't just ignore. So in my article, I did what Joe just said. I, I I mentioned it, and then if you didn't know about it, I just linked linked something that went over it. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's not what I'm here to do. I'm not going to share my personal beliefs about it. But since Joe, since Joe brought it up, obviously I don't think obviously I think it's it's clear to see. I probably wouldn't be this big of a Derrick Rose fan. And, like, this guy wouldn't still be, like, my number one guy if I believed he did it. So, obviously, I don't believe – I believe he was innocent. So, just to get out the way, it's our first podcast about Derrick Rose. Might as well just get all this stuff out the air so you know what's going on heading forward. I don't want to have to keep talking about this. And we're not but, we're not going to bring this up again, okay? Unless yeah, it's in trolling. Yeah. I'm, we're pretty big believers. This is a basketball podcast. We're not trying to talk exactly. about these other things, okay? But you, when you sign a guy who has that sort of an allegation – it's something people are going to talk about. And so I just want to make sure we put the trolling aside and just put that up front. And look, I'm not even remotely a Derrick Rose stan or fan at all, right? Not even remotely. I do not. I've been pretty consistent that I'm like, well, I wouldn't hate the Pistons having him. I don't love this signing. I don't love him as a player. I don't think he's that great. I think he can do a couple of things that the Pistons can use, and he'll be a useful player for them. That's kind of it for me, all right? I don't have any sort of emotional attachment to Derrick Rose. And I believe that that court case was as far in his favor as it could really possibly have gone. Despite the fact that he said in public some absurdly stupid things about it that should have given that woman an advantage, and still it wasn't enough. So we're not going to talk about it beyond this other than I'll, I'm sure I'll make some jokes at Ku's expense about it at some point again. But because of the fact that you've got a guy who has those sorts of allegations in the past, I wanted to say that up front here, that it is not something that I am concerned about with him. Our system had it out and put it as far in his favor as it could be, 
if it turns out that if he actually did rape that woman, the only judgment that will be able to be passed at this point is by God Almighty. Because human judgment has passed on it, and it found him as innocent as it could. Alright, well, you know, I already said, Joe already mentioned it. I don't, I don't, I don't like bringing it up, because Joe already knows it makes, me, it makes it uncomfortable. But Joe tapped it, Joe said it all, I appreciate that. It is what it is. Just the only thing I'm going to say, the only last thing I'll say about it is that Joe, actually, I don't, and with all that that Joe just said, Joe still doesn't agree with me about this, and this is just the only thing I'm going to talk about it. There are people who just have it out to for Derrick Rose. They don't care about the on-court basketball stuff. Like that, like like Joe said, this is a basketball podcast. I'm a basketball writer. I'm not some, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not some counselor or anything. Like I, like that's not, that's not, I'm a basketball writer. That's what I'm supposed to talk about. And people were in my mentions, and I saw a bunch of people on Piss and Twitter just saying that this was a bad signing and saying that he's not a good player. And then I went back at them with stats suggesting that he is a good signing for us. Whether you believe he's a good signing with us because of basketball reasons or not, I, mean, I came back with reasons for why he is, and they couldn't come back with me, back at me with on-court reasons. And it, it's just, for all the people, if there's people out there who are listening to this podcast, I hope, I hope Joe's statement just now doesn't make you just go away but it is what it is i i contend that there are people who just hate derrick rose for derrick rose makeup and and no matter what he does in the basketball court for the pistons no matter what no matter how much he helps us for the pistons uh i'm not sure he'll ever get a fair shake in detroit which is fair i don't really care but since joe brought it up i just i just want to bring it up and and throw out there that i do believe that whether joe believes it or anybody else believes it that's just a belief of mine well, but, so it, here, here's it, one other thing I want to touch on that is if you think because even if you want if you agree with us okay the system put it out put it as far in his favor as it possibly could okay even with that look there is no denying that that put out a lot of his laundry and not all of it was pretty like even though I don't think he raped her that we men you can assume line that is a bad look that's like, that's messed up, okay? There's a lot of things that make me think Derrick Rose might be a crappy person. I do think that. Here's something for you people. These dudes that are rich and famous-ass dudes, guess what? A lot of them, if you knew all of their personal details and had all of their laundry put out into public, you would not think highly of very many of them, right? That's something that you just need to realize, okay? If we're going... <laughs> so... It's like, look, and that may be, maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe that really sucks. That's like, and we just have to dislike basically all players that aren't Steph Curry. Okay. And if you want to do that, hey, that's fair. But have fun with that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, if you want to hate Derrick Rose because he's kind of a sexual pig and he's sexually entitled. I mean, you're going to have a pretty short list of professional athletes and, you know, big-time art, musical artists, big-time anything. You're going to have a tough time finding people that you're going to be able to support. So, it's just one of those things. So, yeah, I've, unless you've got some else to say on it, that can be it on that. 
we can finish. Yep, and that's it. and I, I see that you've got a guest in the background, so we can probably finish up if you're looking to. No, it's just my just my girlfriend. I don't, she she's 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 busy. If you want to end it, we can. But hey, she's not in the Cool. This is your podcast. This is your Derek Rose podcast. We could talk as long as you want. You want to hit on anything else or non Derek Rose stuff? A couple other things have happened. If you want to hit on anything, we can go for it. I mean, I think I think I I think I probably hit about just everything. I'm happy Derek Rose is a piston. Can't wait for the first game. Can't wait for his jersey to get out. I'm definitely getting his jersey immediately. But, you know, I think it's going to be a, I, I Joe already said his opinion on the signing. He went more uh, he went uh, more straight face about it just now. I'll just go ahead and just give my closing thoughts about why I believe he is. He's probably, I think he's going to be a really good sign for us. I think he has potential to make this an ex- extremely a, a great signing for us. I think he has a higher ceiling than any other uh, signing we could have done at the point guard position, probably any other position we probably could have signed. And I think that he has a legit chance to do it and give us uh, a hit that ceiling, get close to it at least if he stays healthy. And like I said, if there was any other person, if there was any person in the world that I could pick to trust get, to get Derrick Rose healthy, it's Arnie Kander and Arnie Kander's here. So, if there was any, if if there if you had if there was any franchise that had the best chance at getting the most out of Derrick Rose, I think it's the Pistons, strictly because he has the best chance to be healthy here. So I expect it to be, I expect this to be a really good signing in a year. People are going to look back on it and be like, wow, that was really good. Especially like Joe hit on, for the amount of money, because we were talking about the money before before free agency started. That you know he might be our price range, blah blah. There might be other people you'd rather get for less, but. Um, I mean, like Joe said, there was a couple point guards that have just gotten a lot of like Patrick Beverly got a ton of money, Corey Joseph got a ton of money, Terry Rozier just had a terrible year and he just got a boatload of money, and we just got Derrick Rose for seven million. So I think it's, I think it's going a year from now, maybe even a couple months into the season, we're going people are going to look back on it. the ones that didn't like it. I believe they're going to look back and be like, wow, this is a really great signing. That's the end of my uh, Derrick Rose podcast. Okay. Um. One last thing before we go that I'd like to say. The Pistons are not going to trade for Bradley Beal. <laughs> Just so we're clear about that, okay? It's not an option. It's not going to happen. That That's done. Okay? Don't worry about it. They're not trading for what? Brad Beal. It wasn't trading for who? Brad Beal. It's not going to happen. Okay? They can't do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay? The only way that happens is if the Wizards are actually the dumbest franchise in the league. Okay? If Bradley Beal is actually available, which by most accounts they he isn't, there's like a dozen other teams that would be able to outbid the Pistons. So, yeah. Um so cool. This is your Derek Rose podcast. So if that's all you want, then we can be done. Yep, that's that's about I believe we covered just about everything with him. Alright, so that is the Derek Rose podcast. We'll be able to move on to more normal stuff. We're gonna have um Hopefully, we are going to be having James Edwards of The Athletic on later this week. Um, Next week, we're going to be having on uh, Evan Damrell, who covers the Cleveland Cavaliers for Forbes. We're going to talk a little bit with him. We've got a couple other guests scheduled for later on this summer. Uh, So even as we start to get into kind of a a dead period um, in the NBA schedule, we're hopefully going to keep it at least a little bit spiced up with some good guests. And Ku, I saw you put your finger up there. You must have one more thing you want to say. 
Yep, this is the last thing. I was just reviewing my article. This is the last thing I have to say. This is more, this is a troll, more fun thing. For, it, for anybody who thinks that Derrick Rose is like, because I know there's a lot of people who think that he just, his athleticism has been zapped. Oh, he doesn't dunk it no more, blah, blah. Go watch, go watch some highlights or just watch the clips that I've put in my article when it drops tomorrow. The dude still very much could, could dunk it if he wanted to. He, that's something, that's his own personal choice. Not to, not to hurt himself trying to go for dunks. There's one particular I, – I use one particular one to highlight this. The dude in his game against – when his 50-point game, the dude literally just leaped over Rudy Gobert and just straight up tapped out on the backboard and just made it look easy. Like, if he wanted to, he could still dunk. That's his own personal decision. That's that's one personal little thing I have against – that's it. Now you can end it. Okay. Nope, 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 because you brought that up. We're going to touch on it. No, so, no. okay. To be clear – Derrick Rose is not as athletic as he used to be, which is more of a statement on the fact that he was as freakish an athlete as there has ever been in the NBA when he first showed up, okay? He is not as above the rim as much. But the place where he hasn't really diminished is in his quickness. When you watch, even if you just watch, like, his most basic highlights, right? You go and you watch a Dawkins video or some fan-made thing, right? And you just watch when he puts the ball on the floor... And he decide, and he sort of makes his full move to go to the hoop, particularly after a hesitation. He just moves faster than other people do. There's just no other way to put it. His like sec this is gonna sound weird, because usually people talk about a first step. His second and third steps are so comically fast. He just gets around people. There's no other way to put it. So, is he as athletic as he used to be? No. He is not still like the most athletic dude in the NBA. That's just the fact. He doesn't play above his, the rim as much. But to act like he's just totally sapped of his bunnies, to act like he's totally sapped of his speed or his quicks, that's just not true. And he's still fast enough to get around good defenders, and he did it regularly last season. And once again, that's exactly what we've talked about with that the Pistons need that. They need another guy who, even when there's a good defender on him, he can get around them and get his shot. And that's something Derrick Rose can still do. I agree. Okay. Is that your actual last thought? Yep. Okay. So, I already said who that we've got some guests planned for the future. Um, and, yeah, so stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.